0: Darkcast network welcome to the dark side of podcasting welcome to murder and mimosas a true crime podcast brought to you by a mother and daughter duo
1: bringing you murder stories with the mimosas in hand
0: just a quick disclaimer before we get started our show is murder and Mimosa, it's a true crime podcast this means that we do discuss crimes including but not limited to disappearances murder, and sexual assault. All our episodes are told with the respect of the victims and the victims' families in mind. We strive to ensure that we provide factual information that some information is more verifiable than others. With that, grab your mimosas and let's dive in. Welcome to Creepy Tapas. The show where two spooky best friends give you tiny tastes of terror connected by a common ingredient. We serve up movie reviews, mysteries, murder, mayhem, and tantalizing tales from the depths of the internet. And some random bullshit too, all focused around a similar theme. We blend our love of horror, oddities, and general creepiness and dig a little deeper, discovering the history, psychology, and truth behind your wildest fears. Join us, Ash and Jordan, as we descend into full darkness every Sunday. Day, wherever you listen to podcasts It's creepy tapas y'all what what Proud members of the dark cast network
1: <laughs> Kelly and Jason are both at the door and the police ask her when the last time was she had seen or talked to Chris and she says around the 14th or 15th of October but she can't really remember They ask was she having an affair with him and she says yes Jason's standing right there stone-faced. They asked both to come to the station to talk more. When there, they asked her if she thinks her husband would have had anything to do with Chris's disappearance, and she says no. They're like, you know most men are jealous, right? This usually doesn't go over well, and she said her husband knew, and he was fine with it. Apparently, Jason didn't work. He was in an accident, which caused back damage and left him impotent. She tells police. They ask her how often she sees Chris and she says she has dinner with him almost every night at his apartment or sometimes even at her house.
0: What? I mean, is she bringing back leftovers for her husband?
1: This is all a weird situation. Talk about sloppy seconds, (laughs) right? They ask, is Chris the only one she's seen? And she tells them there is another guy at work named Eric Erickson. They call Eric in and he says, yeah, they don't really date. They're just, I guess, maybe like friends with benefits. He knew that Kelly was married. They were outside smoking together at work and she was so friendly and he was new in town and didn't know anyone. And she hit him up to get together. He wasn't sure really about the relationship or where it was going. She would text him all the time and then act like, She was just too busy for him, and then it would all start over again. They also asked him if he knew she was sleeping with Chris, and of course, he did, but that didn't really concern him.
0: Okay, so you talked about her having like this outgoing personality, not that it really matters, but like what does she look like? She just seems to be bringing all these men in.
1: I guess that's open for interpretation. I don't find her attractive, but I think men probably just really like the attention and being pursued. All right. Was well, Eric ever been to her house or met her husband? No, he said they mostly would meet up and have sex in the car. All right. So they're like two horny teenagers. Got it. Yeah, basically. Even though they're
0: adults, I'm, I'm like, I don't know. But anyway. Okay, I get not going to her house with yeah. the husband there, but does
1: he not have a place? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't get that, but maybe it made it more exciting. So, please question Jason about Chris, and he begins the interview crying. And here's some of this in his own words. Tell you guys in advance, I see a therapist for high anxiety. I actually was institutionalized a little over a month ago. Lost a close friend, and depressed ever since. And here are wrong knowing that my marriage has fallen apart.
0: So you were very much aware of
1: what Kelly was doing? I either had to accept it or to let her go. He says he knew about her and other men. He also tells them he recently got out of a mental institution about a month ago where he was for depression and anxiety and other issues. Jason says he's never met any of the men, though. They ask Eric if he's willing to take a polygraph test, and he says sure, and his demeanor just seems to tell them he isn't nervous, he's being honest with them, and he had nothing to do with this. They don't have a lot to go on after all this, and they let everyone go. Laura Frizzo was the Iron River Chief of Police. This is a very small town of about 2,800 people in 2014, and the police crew consists of or police, which includes the chief. There isn't a lot of crime or murders here, and Laura decides right away she needs more resources and calls the state police to help. I just say, good on her for not trying to just, like, be, I'm
0: too good, I don't need their help, up front, being like, you know, I could use some help here, you
1: know, that takes a lot. That's true. So, they don't have a lot to go on. They post something on Facebook for a $1,000 reward for information and ask for tips. They have one person who says, have you checked out Del Vassar? This is basically the only tip, which they do check this out. And this guy wasn't even in Michigan when Chris went missing. So Chief Rizzo decides to get the phone records for Kelly and Jason. As she reads through them, she realizes that maybe... Jason really wasn't okay with Kelly seeing other men like she claims. And here's a little conversation we see or she sees in the text messages.
0: Don't be with other guys. Be with me.
1: You never love me.
0: Don't ruin my life or hurt me anymore. I love you. Please stop lying to me. You went to lunch with another guy again. Come home after work and no more men for lunch, please. This definitely does not sound like a man that's like, on board with all of this it actually kind of makes me feel bad for him in a way I mean he is also
1: allowing this to happen he could just leave but of course we know that that's easier said than done right so Chief Frizzo goes to their house and she tells them she wants to question them both again she takes Jason with her when she goes and tells Kelly to come to the station in about half an hour Chief Frizzo confronts Jason about the text messages, and she tells him she knows he isn't on board with all this. Jason and Kelly only have one truck they share, and Kelly drives this truck to work most days. She asks Jason how he knew she had lunch with another guy, and he says he walks trails daily, and one day it came out near an apartment, and he saw their truck. She asks, did he go confront them? Who did he see? And he says he didn't confront anybody, he didn't see anything. She asked if he's ever seen Chris before, and he says he didn't see him, he didn't even know him, he didn't know where he lived. She asked about the rumors she heard about him trying to kill himself and Kelly, and he says that he was hearing voices that were screaming to him to kill everyone around him. That's when he went into the institution he was talking about. Chief Frizzo questions Kelly and tells her about the text. She asks again, should they look at Jason? And let's listen to a little bit of a sound clip for that. So, yes, um, everything you know about Chris? It's they got pretty close in the last four months. Did you have an intimate relationship? Yes, they did. Okay. And obviously your
0: husband knows. Yeah, he know. Mm-hmm. Was, um, Jason upset about that? No. Yeah. Kelly, she would be looking at Jason. Should we- I don't see why you would. Because husbands get jealous. Yeah, I mean why look at her husband, that doesn't make sense, you know. He only tried to kill her. I don't know. she's just like, you know, my train of thought says that uh unless he's gonna kill the whole company since I'm sleeping with them all,
1: probably, um probably not him. <laughs> I know, right? So so, she says, no, he would never, ever do that. She asked about what HR told her, that he tried to kill her and himself at one point, And she's like, yeah, but he'd never try to kill someone else. Well, I mean, <laughs> it's fair. You're the one sleeping with everyone. Maybe that's it.
0: <laughs> he may try to kill his wife and himself, but he would never be so crazy to, like,
1: kill another human. That sounds ridiculous. So... Of course, as we know, this isn't enough to hold them, but Chief Frizzo does get a search warrant for their home. They show up, and Jason and Kelly say they'll just go hang out at the neighbors across the street until they're done. While waiting for the crime scene techs to get there, Chief Frizzo notices that they've painted the ceiling in the living room since she was last there. And it gets sprayed down with luminol and shows blood underneath the paint. I don't know if they leave the evidence tags up there, but the ceiling and the pictures I saw had all those little evidence tags. I don't know if they left them up there. I feel like I would just to mess with them, (laughs) but (laughs) I'm sure that probably had to uh, freak them out a little if they did see those. Well, to me, being on the ceiling, like this sounds like
0: cast off blood splatter, but I don't really know what you would be doing in the living room to get blood on the ceiling other than murder of a person, or an animal, I guess, but probably a person in the situation.
1: Yeah, not always. a lot of ways to get blood on the living room ceiling. Yeah, sometimes they were like, oh my God, I know it's ble- I don't think that's going to work for this mm-hmm. one. No. So, they don't find anything else. No other blood, DNA, nothing. This takes about 10 hours that they're going over this house with a fine-toothed comb, and they let the Cochran's have their house back. The next day they get a call from the neighbor and they say that they saw the Cochran's leave last night and they haven't returned. They go talk to the neighbors and they're told that their grandmother that lives with them heard a gunshot the night that Chris went missing. They saw another car outside that night when all of this was going on and they said for several nights after that they heard power tools at two or three in the morning. They finally asked like hey what's going on over there and they said Oh, we're just remodeling. Okay, so why had not the police, like, already talked to the people around
0: the Cochran's, like the neighbors, for example? Because it's obvious that they, they suspected them.
1: It seems like that would be the next step. Is it, they just had not gotten there yet, or why? Honestly, I don't know, other than maybe they're just not really well-versed in investigations. And plus, like I said, it's a very, very small police force, so there's not a lot of people. So the neighbors hadn't known the Cochran's a real long time. He liked hanging out with Jason and they would smoke weed together, he said. Jason told him about his wife cheating on him and that they were always broke. But one night, they invite invited the neighbors over for a barbecue. And this is after Chris disappeared. They had never invited them over and they hadn't since. But this night, there were tons of meat, and Jason said that he used to be a butcher for exotic animals when they lived in Indiana. They aren't sure what they ate that night, but now they think it may be Chris.
0: Okay, you're going to make me sick. Like, I feel nauseous. I may never go to another potluck or barbecue again. Ugh. Anyway, back to Kelly and Jason. So they just fled. Like, that doesn't look suspicious at all.
1: It does look suspicious, but yes, they just flee. And nothing says I'm innocent like taking off after your house has been searched. Iron may not have a lot of crime, but they were smart enough to put a GPS tracking device on the truck before they let them know they were going to search the house. And they know that the two of them went back to Indiana, where they're both originally from, and they're at Kelly's mother's house. Kudos again to the police department. I'm really impressed that they thought to do that beforehand. Since
0: they're originally from Indiana, do we know why they came to Michigan? What brought them
1: here? Apparently, legalized marijuana. Kelly and Jason grew up as neighbors and knew each other forever. They ended up dating in high school, got married after they graduated, and once Jason hurt his back, he quit working, and they moved to Michigan for the marijuana for Jason. So that's how they ended up in Michigan. So March 27, 2015, the lab calls with the results of the blood in the living room. Sadly, it doesn't tell them anything. With the paint, they can't get a good sample, and they can't even determine if it's human blood or animal blood. All right, so much for those. Uh, showed us to believe, like maybe they could get sample, maybe not. Do they have any leads or plans now? By this point, the state police has said they just can't keep helping. He probably killed himself, he probably ran off, but they just can't keep giving them their resources. And the city manager has told Chief Rizzo she's put too much time and energy into this investigation and she needs to use her resources somewhere else. If This was his loved one missing, though. I'm sure you wouldn't want your resources elsewhere. That makes me so angry for Chris and his loved ones. She doesn't give up, though. She works weekends on his own time, on her own time, I'm sorry. She decides to reach out to the FBI since she's not well-versed in homicide investigations, and maybe there's something she's missed. So they get Chris's car, and they do a reverse GPS tracking on the car. And do you know where he went that night that he went missing? Oh, I bet he went to the Cochran's. You would be right. And then his car was dropped off. They decide to search the house again, hoping they miss something. They take doors off. They take whatever they think will help. The CSI team says it would be helpful if they could have Kelly and Jason's DNA so they can differentiate the DNA in the house from other people. Chief Rip- Chief Frizzo doesn't have jurisdiction in Indiana, but gets with the police department there to bring the two in for DNA. And the looks on their face when Chief Frizzo walks in is priceless. She questions both of them, and they both say nothing, and they both ask for lawyers. Before she leaves out with Kelly, she tells her that Jason gave her some information, and now Kelly isn't sure about what Jason may have said.
0: I feel like Chief Rizzo is, like, assuming that Jason's kind of the weaker link and Kelly's, like, a mastermind behind everything.
1: Yes. And she tried to tell Jason this is all Kelly. She made him do this. And she's trying to let him be the victim. That didn't work. She tries to let Kelly think Jason is weak. And he gave the information to her to put the nail in her coffin. While they are doing the second search, they also check the Caspian pit, which is kind of like a pond not far from their house. And they find a burn barrel weighted down with cinder blocks, and there's also a clothesline in it. They head back to the house where they find the burn barrel, and they get all the ashes they can test. They find that the jeans were burned in there and a sawzall blade, which has no DNA. Even with all the tests they do, they still come up empty on everything. The blood they do find is too contaminated from cleaning supplies, and they can't get a good read on anything. So, this looks pretty bleak for them. Okay, well, are there any other leads they can work off of? No, they are completely out of ideas, too. Then, Chief Frizzo gets a call from Detective Ogden in Hobart, Indiana. He asks her for the case file on Kelly. And he informs her that Jason is now dead. Whoa, wait, Jason is dead? I wasn't ready for that. Didn't see that coming. Yes, he was dead on arrival when the EMS got there. They first think he died of a heroin overdose, but turns out it was strangulation. It's tagged as a homicide and they are looking at Kelly. Oh my God, is she really this dumb? I mean, they didn't have anything on her. Why put even more heat and scrutiny on yourself? Yeah, I don't know unless this is some kind of sick addiction or something she gets off on. I I really don't know because this seems just so obvious and crazy. So Jason had an online friend he plays games with and he heard that Jason had died. So he goes to the FBI because he was sure that Kelly had something to do with this. They decide to use him as a confidential confidential informant. They have him call Kelly, which he did. He tells her Jason sent him a letter before he died, and there was an additional letter in there that said, if something happens to me, send this letter, which is stamped in, and it's addressed to the Iron River Police. Kelly begs him not to send it, but she doesn't give him anything else. I love when police do this stuff. But did it work? Well, yes and no. She goes to Detective Ogden, but she doesn't tell him much. She says she will come in the next day and talk. But the next day, she sends him a text that says the West Coast looks pretty good right now. Oh, my goodness. Are you kidding? She fled again? Are they lucky enough to have tracked her this time? She did flee again, but no, they didn't think to track her. Detective Ogden texts her all day long though. He thinks her curiosity will get the best of her and she'll turn her phone back on to check the messages and bam, they'll have her cell phone coordinates and he was right. They pick her up in Kentucky. He wants to know what happens and he says or she says that Jason killed Chris. She didn't want him to but Fourteen years ago, when they got married, they made a pact that if either of them cheated on the other, they had to kill the person they cheated with or themselves.
0: I'm sorry, what? A pact? I'm sure I told my husband if he cheats, I'll cut his thing off like Lorena Bobbitt, but I don't mean it. Also, wasn't the pact to kill him herself or kill herself? I guess the pact
1: can be altered if she wants it to but must be followed in some kind of sense. So she says she lured him there and began having sex with him in the entryway. They were on their way upstairs and Jason shot him. That's one of the many versions of the story she tells. She shows the police where parts of Chris's body are. She said they cut up his body into pieces and put it in the trash bags and buried him along the 639 County Trail. She takes them to the house and shows them how things took place. She passes a set of forceps on the sink and casually just says, oh, that's what Jason made me use to pull the bullet out of Jason's head. Chief Frizzo says, that's the one thing that we didn't test. And they tested it then and it did test positive for Chris's DNA. Kelly said she scrubbed the house top to
0: bottom. So you scrub the house from top to bottom, but you leave a pair of unclean forceps out? I mean, it worked, though, or it would have.
1: I mean, that's true, in plain sight, as they say. So the jury ends up finding her guilty for Chris's murder, and she's sentenced to life without parole. A year later, she pleads guilty to Jason's murder and is sentenced to 65 more years. Her brother went to the police and said he thinks there are more out there. He heard Jason and Kelly talking about someone she met online. And Jason said, do you want me to kill him? Kelly was alluded, had alluded to Detective Ogden that there are more, but won't say where exactly. She has said in Indiana, Minnesota, Tennessee, and Michigan. She does love attention and keeping the police wondering is probably a game for her. If there's others, I'm not sure we'll really ever know.
0: Okay, but I still want to know, did anyone ask her if they fed the neighbors,
1: Chris? They did ask her that, and she said no. But even the police say that she lost so much, they don't know when she is actually telling the truth. So although she says no, the neighbors are still convinced they ate Chris. So what's your thoughts? Are there more men out there that they killed?
0: We always recommend more bubbly and less OJ. Cheers. If you'd like to see pictures from today's episode, you can find us at murder.mimosas on Instagram. You can also find us at murder.mimosas on TikTok, Twitter. And if you have a case you would like us to do, you can send that to murder.mimosas at gino.com. And lastly, we are on Facebook at Murder and Mimosas Podcast, where you can interact with us there. We love any type of feedback you can give us, so please rate and review us on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.